Welcome to The Craft. I'm your host, Mae Globus. This podcast is a collection of intimate conversations on artistry, mastery, and life with talented, passionately curious creatives and entrepreneurs. Most are dear friends, some are those I've admired from afar. I hope you enjoy these conversations, this exploration of the humanity that connects all of us as much as I do having them. Thank you for being here and for listening. There's a deep kindness that emanates from Craig Pierce that you feel the moment you meet him. The founder of beloved custom furniture company, Union Woodco, also recently launched a new product brand, Goodland, which creates objects for a slow, considered life. His family moved from Toronto to Vancouver when he was five years old. His father was in banking and was relocated. As a kid, Craig grew up in West Vancouver, skateboarding and snowboarding, and he was creative even back then, a trait he inherited from his mom. Craig began his road to becoming a firefighter after a pivotal moment on a trip to New Zealand in his early 20s, something he still does full-time. Founding Union Woodco in 2009 came by organically after a stint living in Big White, Kelowna, as a volunteer firefighter while doing carpentry on the side. In this conversation, we discuss how he expressed his creativity through drawing as a kid, his journey to becoming a firefighter for the past 16-plus years, and his love for a second family at the fire hall, why he loves building things with his hands and how he's entirely self-taught, the ins and outs of scaling his businesses, the immersive design and production process of his team at Union Woodco, how the slowdown of the pandemic sparked the idea for Goodland and the product launching soon, a wood-fired hot tub, what he loves about his wife, Kendra, why moving half as fast means you notice twice as much, and more. Please enjoy this conversation with a jovial, passionate, an innately creative Craig Pierce. Craig Pierce, welcome to the craft. Hello, hello. Thanks for having me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm super delighted you're here. You are on my original list nice. of people to to have on the show. So finally, awesome. second season. Yeah, here I'm excited you are. about it. It feels a little bit out of my comfort zone and stuff, but it's cool. It feels really real and it's exciting. Yes. To be a part of your thing. Too. Yeah, I'm yeah. About that. And you've got the headphones on and everything. I'm in, I'm in the zone, fully in the <laughs> zone here. Um, when you and I caught up a couple of months ago, we were talking about when we first met. And I was doing in my head a little bit of the timeline. It was almost a decade ago. Oh, man. Yeah. yeah. That feels like a long, it yeah. feels like many, many lives ago, you know? It really does. Yeah. I was I was at Love Social. Yes. And we had just moved to, into an office at the Petrina building in Gastown. In the, in the Dominion building or the? No, it was the one Petrina, on Port- Like the Dova. big tall one, right? Um, no, it's, uh, I think it was like only four stories. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. It's right across, on the corner. Yeah. Yeah. It's across the street from, um, um like Old Faithful. Old Faithful. Stuff, yeah. I was going to say Field and Social for a second, but yeah. yeah, Old Faithful. Yeah. And you, you made all of our work desks. Yeah. And we made some desks there for yeah. you. Yeah. That was a fun one for sure. Yeah. And it was, yeah, we loved those desks and it, it went, went quite well with the, the heritage building. Yeah, it went with the yeah, we used some like reclaimed wood for that. It yeah. really suit the kind of the tone and what you guys were going for, I think. Yeah. That was yeah. fun. We made good use of them. <laughs> <laughs> and then I think, you know, just as Vancouver goes, we know some of the the same people. Totally. Yeah. Carol Lots Linton of mutual friends. Etc. Um, totally. Uh Kara Donaldson, like yes, that was one right. big connection. Yes, right. Way back in the day. Yeah, so. for sure. Yeah. So how are you feeling today? I'm feeling good. Yeah, I'm definitely, you know, I'm feeling this is we just had our like, you know, Canadian Thanksgiving weekend. 
Mm-hmm. And coming back in the swing from that, it was really nice to be with friends and family. And like we were so lucky we had nice weather over the weekend. And yeah. And I'm you're, feeling, on, you're on Bowen full time. So yeah, you had I'm on your, Bowen. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. we were just, you know, in the forest there. We, we, uh, we have a dog that we share actually with Kara and um, we had him for the weekend. So we just, it was all about just like walking the dog and just like, you know, doing that fun kind of family yeah. stuff. Really low key. Mm-hmm. We, got, we got into the wine a little bit last night. but uh, yeah. <laughs> Red or white? Red? <laughs> a little bit of both season. actually, <laughs> shamefully. Yeah, that's why. I, was, I woke up with a little bit of a um, headache. but And two glasses of water right now. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, let's go back to your childhood. You grew up on the North Shore. Yeah, we. I was actually born in, uh, I was born in Ottawa. And then we we kind of, like my dad worked for the bank, so we moved around a lot because I guess that's what they did back in the day. Um, and yeah, they, they moved him out from Toronto to Vancouver um, and I think I was like about five. So I, I barely okay. have like any memories of Toronto whatsoever. Yeah. Um, from that, my brother lives there now. So I have some new memories of Toronto, but like, I don't really remember. I remember like the house and the yard and neighbors and stuff like that, but mm-hmm. you know, not much about, obviously I didn't know about any scenes or anything. Like yeah, that. of course. A little too young for the scene. <laughs> yeah. Where in Toronto were you living? Like North York, I think. Okay. Yeah. I mean yeah. that, you know, we might have to fact check that with my parents but I think that we were in North York somewhere yeah yeah so I don't and I don't know what that neighbor like I don't know anything about the neighborhood. yes yeah anything, but I think we did look up the house when they first had Google Street View like mm-hmm. my sister and I checked the house out and it still looks the same yeah you recognized it <laughs> yeah it had images? those like you know those like glass block uh like they would make a window out of those yeah. like you know eight by yes, eight like right. glass blocks oh my gosh. we had like a few of those <laughs> I remember thinking that was like, I remember when my parents were renovated and actually like put that in. Yeah. And they were like, yeah, look how cool this is. <laughs> oh, I totally know what you're talking yeah. about. Yeah. I think they're actually kind of coming back in style. I don't know. <laughs> so many different styles now, you know, everything's mm-hmm. in style. Choose your own adventure. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. And then so North Vancouver. West Van. West actually. Van. Okay. Yeah. 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 So I grew up in West Van and... I moved around to like a couple different schools there and I think I came in in like grade two. So, mm-hmm. you know, it was like I wasn't coming in like super late or anything like that. But yeah, they were, you know, if I just found groups of friends like pretty quickly, it was pretty easy to transition that way. Oh, that's good. I think the biggest difference was in, when we were in Toronto, I was doing like French immersion. Mm. And then when we came out to Vancouver, I wasn't in French immersion. So, like, right away, uh, my, like, reading level and stuff was, like, kind of less than everybody else's because they, they had just only focused on English. So they were, like, quite advanced at doing, you know, in- English reading mm-hmm. and probably writing. Um, and then because we had been doing both in Toronto, I was, like, a little bit behind in that, basically. Yeah, yeah. That would be a hard transition going from majority of – yeah. Communicating. I mean, I, you know, it's, learning hard, it's hard to like, I don't want to complain because there's certainly a lot of people that moved, you know, in a lot more dramatic circumstances than mm. me or moved a lot more often or something like that. But, mm-hmm. you know, picking up and moving, you know, your whole life, you know, when you're that age was, yeah, it was, it was a big deal for me at the time. And I remember when we first came out, like, I think my parents came out to maybe like check a house out or something like that. And my dad was so sweet. He, 
Um, he obviously knew it was like going to be so dramatic for us because even like the, it's the things like the trees look different. You know, it just felt like I hadn't we hadn't really mm. traveled much probably by the time I was five. We'd done camping or whatever. But it was just a totally like not even the landscape or anything that I was used to seeing. So it was just so weird. Right. Yeah. Like the foliage is different. On you know, yeah. Coast. It's just yeah. like it's just it's still a whole beautiful. Different. It's was, different, though. And my dad, I remember he rented like and this is such a like 80s, 90s thing. It was like he rented a limo to pick us up at the airport and take us like to see the new house or whatever. Oh it was so funny. And it just felt like the biggest, grandest thing, you know, mm-hmm. it was so cool. Yeah. <laughs> and you, you've you been mentioning your dad. What What's your dad like? He's awesome. Yeah, my dad's a, a solid guy. He's, um, he's, he's, I'd say he's like a little bit introverted. Like he, he doesn't have a huge like friend circle or anything like that. Like him and my mom are really tight partners and kind of always have been and they've been just kind of a team at, at doing everything um and yeah he's always a good guy I was there to kind of help out and and give me advice or mm. or listen or whatever mm-hmm. yeah he's always been there for me very they've always been really really supportive of uh all, all the kind of crazy slash stupid things I've been doing so <laughs> And your mom yeah my mom um she's a teacher she was like a kindergarten teacher and so she is just like almost like a little cheerleader, you know, like go, go, go with everything. Mm. And she's got this lady's got so much energy. She could go like, you know, she could take over the Energizer Bunny. I'm sure she's just nonstop. She's got like wild creativity too. like, I don't know if that's from being an educator, but just the like, like she'll come over with my you know, she came over for Thanksgiving with my daughters and just did these like wild crafts. Like they made these turkey hats. And I'm like, where do you even, cause she doesn't use Pinterest like other people for yeah, ideas. You yeah. know what I mean? She just like comes up with these crazy ideas, these crafts and stuff like that. So, um, mm. and she's got, yeah, she's always good ways of like, she knows how to work kids for sure. So, yeah. Well, I remember you telling me in our catch up, like a couple of months ago that you were actually quite a, a creative kid as well yeah I think I think you know I, I was like I was really behind at that reading and stuff and I, I definitely you know I felt a creative I could I could tell I was had like a creative gene you know but I didn't know how or what really to do with it so I was always kind of drawing and you know creating kind of little little not arts and crafts really but just creating little things you know yeah um and it, but it's hard to do that when you're a kid. Like, how do you express that? You know, you don't really know other than like maybe building a fort or doing some drawing or something like that. You, you know, you don't have all, all these different ways of expressing creativity like an adult can. You know? Yeah. Yeah. What kind of things were you drawing? Were you drawn to drawing certain things like, uh, like cartoons or like the, the one thing that like really heroes? sticks out to me? And this is actually a little bit embarrassing is like. I drew, um, I think my sister found this like a few years ago. It's like, you know, when, when you have a Lego, like the bottom, there'd be like a big flat square and you would like build things on top yeah, of that. Right. Yeah. And like my sister flipped over it on the back and it had all these like skulls and snakes and stuff that were almost like uh, tattoo flash. Oh, no way. Um, just these like kind of ready-made like tattoo drawings and I mean I guess I was a little bit older than a kid because some of them maybe said like 420 on them or something but um <laughs> might have or they pretty, did I, 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 some of them had like it'd be like a skull with a mohawk smoking a cigarette kind of thing 
So I probably wasn't like a you know a child when I drew that. That would be more like preteen or something. Yeah. Uh, which was really funny because now I'm like really into tattoos. So yes. <laughs> and I I didn't know where that came from. Nobody in my family. I don't know where I really like came up with that stuff. But yeah. Obviously, I'd seen it somewhere and just copied it. And mm-hmm. So I was drawing some of that stuff and just just lots of playing around, goofing yeah. around. Really. Were you energetic? Were you shy? Um, I think I would be like lazy is what I remember <laughs> being like. I, I wanted to watch like a lot of TV. I, I wasn't shy. I was definitely a social kind of butterfly. I always just wanted to be with friends and have friends around basically. Um, and I never really got into sports, So, but I, I, I got really into like skateboarding and snowboarding is really, mm. really where I kind of did that a ton with my friends. And then we just spent all, all day, every day doing that, basically. Yeah, yeah. So that was a fun way to, like, you know, hang out with the crew and, you know, go check out places. And we'd go to the, like, Griffin Bowl in North Van, and there'd be, like, spray paint there. I tried some spray painting. I was really, really bad at that. <laughs> <laughs> Graffiti artist, you're not. <laughs> no, no, I'm not. No, I'm not. I just... I really can't, like, yeah, that that kind of art does not come easily (laughs) whatsoever. So fun fact, which totally took me by surprise um, when we caught up, is in addition to to founding Union Woodco in in 2009, um, which we'll definitely get into, you're also a firefighter, and you've always really loved it and always really wanted to do it. Yeah. um, Yeah, that is a fun fact. And, and, like, a lot of people don't know that or – and it's like not something that I keep secret, but I just kind of like forget about it almost in a sense of it's not my like sole identity. You know, mm. uh, I really it's really fun and I'm really passionate about it. And um, yeah, I just have all like all these other interests as well. But yeah, so I've been doing that for um, about 16 years or maybe I'm coming up on the, my 17th year or something wow. like that yeah. in January. So I'm getting really close to it. Mm. And, you know, it's always kind of changing. Like my role there always changes, is always changing a little bit. Um, right now I drive the fire truck. That's kind of my main duty. Mm-hmm. Um, and then obviously when we get there, we do other things as well. But, you know, being responsible for the fire truck is is, is a big, uh, you know, big, big responsibility. It's a big machine. And, yeah, I kind of got into that. Like I actually remember when I really was interested in that, was I knew that I, I always wanted to, like, do things with my hands, basically. Like, I knew I wanted, you know, uh, it, my dad's work being in a bank, he was, like, I don't even know, commercial lending or something. like. That. Sorry, Dad, I don't exactly remember what you do, but, um, or did, but, um, you know, I just kind of knew. I'm, like, I just am not, don't want to get into that. I didn't have any interest in any kind of, like, traditional suit wearing business Mm. office going kind of stuff and I was like I knew I really wanted to do something with my hands and I think that that probably boils back down to right when I like started school I was at a lower level than everybody else and I knew that I wanted to be creative and I was like I got to do something with my hands and my one of my like best friends Pat Hennessy and I were in New Zealand which is where we went after high school we went just on basically on a snowboarding trip in in New Zealand and we were in this little town called, uh, God, I think it's Queenstown. I think Queensland. Queensland's in Australia. So Queens, mm-hmm. Queenstown in, in New Zealand. This was like 20 years ago. So I, I sorry, I forget. But um, 
And and basically we were like just you know basically we were partying, snowboarding, staying at hostels and all that stuff. And then in the morning we were out for breakfast one day, and and basically throughout this whole town this like air raid siren, like it sounded like you know like what I would know from the movies of like you know they're gonna drop like a bomb on the city kind of thing. Mm. Like they just had this really loud siren, um, and it's almost like in if you've ever been to Fino and you've heard the uh, tsunami, the tsunami warning, one, yeah. And it was like that going mm. off in the city. And I'm like, what the hell? You know, we were just in this kind of semi-foreign place. It's not like the most exotic, but it's pretty um, pretty similar to BC. But um, I was like, what the hell is that? You know, and so we started asking, you know, whoever our server was or whatever. And they said, oh, that's for the fire department. They, It's like a volunteer system. So the people will be at home. And then they do that air raid siren. That means that they're supposed to report to the fire hall oh. and get on the truck and go to the call kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And and that just like, I was like, holy, that sounds really cool. <laughs> I was like, when I get back from this trip, I'll, I want to look into being a firefighter. That sounds like it was like that instant. I was like, maybe that would be a good job for mm. me. I feel like you work with your friends and you do kind of cool stuff and it's different every day. Like maybe that would be a fun job. And that, that was really kind of like what started the path for me to being a firefighter. Um, and then when I got home, I just like immediately set to work on that, uh, like finding finding out more about it. And um, so I didn't have any family or friends like really who, who, did you know, it. who knew anything about it, you know? Yeah, yeah. And it's kind of one of those jobs that like you don't really know what they're doing unless you actually know someone that does it, you know? Mm. Like it's, mm-hmm. it's always a like slight mystery for people. They don't mm-hmm. actually understand what's going on all day, every day. And the training is quite rigorous, right? Yeah, the training is really competitive to get in. And so I got really lucky to get in. Like I got in super young, like maybe about 22, which was like really, really fortunate. And yeah, basically it's kind of like you have to do a bit of schooling but really what they want is life experience. And so that's why to get in at 22 is really fortunate. I mean, I'm not like some, uh, lots of other people are getting in young like that too, but um, it's kind of on the on the younger side of average. And uh, what they want is like, yeah, this life experience, which is kind of hard to get by the time you're 22 or 23 kind mm. of thing. Um, so I, I almost was like, okay, I'm not, I never went to university. So I, um, or really any post-secondary so I kind of looked at it like, all right, my friends have gone and done four years of post-secondary or are doing that in the process of that. And I'm going to do four years of just trying to tick every single box that they have on their entrance, like, you know, their entrance requirements. And if I can just tick every box, you know, get that life experience, driving, you know, driving a truck, all this kind of things, you know, first aid stuff, um, then they can't say no, you know? Mm. And I was like, that's what I'm going to do. So if it takes, if it takes four years, okay, I'll give it like four or five years. Then if I can't do it then, then, you know, maybe I'll reassess or something like that. But I'll just, I'll try to work as hard as possible in those four years to just, you know, make it so they can't say no to me basically. Mm. Um, So yeah. And then once you do it, like, you know, anybody can do all those things essentially. And then it's pretty competitive to get in. You write some tests and, um, you have to like go spend a weekend at the fire hall, like kind of, they put you through like drills and kind of like some of them are skills and some of them are like, how do you work as a team? And, right. um, 
some of those, like almost like a trust fall, you know, like some, yeah, yeah. <laughs> not literally, but you know, kind of but in those, activities yeah. like that, essentially. So. I mean, in major situations and major calls. Yeah, and, they, and they're that, just trying right? to get to know people. They yeah. put you, yeah, like they intentionally will put you in an awkward position. Ah. Like, you know, is he going to say something stupid or, you know, not even that, or is, is he going to, you know, Can collapse under this? the pressure, yeah. you know yeah. what I mean? Like, so mm. that's kind of... Uh, yeah, how I ended up getting through that, and then yeah, and I've yeah, so 16, 15, 16 years of doing that, and uh, I love it. It's really fun. It's obviously you know it's a passion of mine, and I'm really I love 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 the people that I work with. It's super fun. We just have a like a great time there. You yeah, know? I was gonna ask like, what's life like at the fire hall? I imagine it's it's almost like a second family. Yeah, it's like a it's like a second family. Yeah, it is. I mean, they're. Um, there's, you know, there's about a hundred of us or so that all work at different, like, cause obviously, you know, I'm not there this minute, mm -hmm. but there's, there's a crew working there, you know, 24 hours a day, you know, 365 days a year. So we work on different shifts and the shift that I'm on is like, you know, kind of our like close family. And then the other people we, you know, we see, and it's kind of funny, like there'll be people that I'll bump into someone I've maybe haven't seen in a couple of years because they've been at another station or something like that. And it is it's like catching up with like an old friend or family that you haven't seen for a while. And, and, Oh, how are the kids? And you know, yeah. Cause um, you're sleeping there too, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's like a really, it's, 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 it, there's a lot of like, it's a lot of get, getting along together really. Mm. Right. So you have to, uh, yeah, you do, you're like, you know, your people do people, it, it, there's stuff that you can like bug each other with that you just don't have to deal with at a normal job. Like, oh, this person snores or <laughs> like <laughs> it's a sleeping quarters thing. Like sometimes we all sleep in a big room. Yeah. Um, or, you know, like we all cook together, right? That's all part of the camaraderie thing. And because our shifts are long, we like have to cook there. There's no, we, we can't really like go, like you can't take a break, right? Yeah. So it's not like you can, oh, I'll be back. I'm going to go get a coffee or something like that. So like every activity is together and there's mm -hmm. no hiding. You can't like be, you know, if you come to work and you've been fighting with your partner or had a really stressed out day at your side job or whatever. I mean, they can read that stuff on you, you know, because they've mm -hmm. known you for, you know, the people that I've known, I've worked there, like, you know, I've known them for 16 years, right? Right. So they yeah. know me <laughs> inside and out and yeah. with the good and the bad, I'm sure. Totally. I think that's, I think it's so fascinating that there is this, um, other side to your life and what you do yeah it was I felt like I mean it's always been a fun fun thing and I think last year with with COVID was like I felt even like extra fortunate for mm. that job because I just I, I'm not the kind of person I can't just work from home by myself like with my family there and stuff like I, I don't like thrive off that I mean I definitely yeah. can get a lot done in, in a day or two but you know I was so like when everybody was in lockdown, like we were still going to work. You yeah, know? you're essential. And uh, and there was still that kind of like camaraderie, you know, mm -hmm. brother and sisterhood. Kind so you of had thing. that connection where yeah. it's like, yeah. Like you were, you know, people were like, I haven't seen anyone in months. And I was like, oh, I just, I'm like, I'm sick of these people. I just seen them for four days straight, <laughs> you know? Right, right. And Union Woodco to jump into that. That yeah. that came about super organically. You were living in Big White, yeah. and you were working at a fire station there, right? And yeah. And then you were doing carpentry on the side. Yeah, exactly. It was um, 
Yeah, I was living in Big White, and they have like a volunteer program up there. So you live in the fire station, and you basically get experience. And they don't pay you, but they they put you up there for the year, and you live in the, you know, you, you're basically like a real firefighter. But um, you go to calls, check the truck, all this training stuff, and it was really cool. But you know, there wasn't that much action up there, so they you know encourage you to go get a, a job basically while you're there a job that you can still respond to calls from. Mm-hmm. Um, and I ended up working, I wanted to get into carpentry, building houses, and I got a job with, you know, one of the guys there. There was only like maybe a dozen kind of construction companies. And um, <clears throat> he really, like his name is Chris, and he, he was just one of these guys. Like thinking back, he was probably like maybe 30. I don't know. He was pretty young too. And he would just take on these whatever construction projects and just like, oh, yeah, we can do that. Yeah, 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 no problem. We can get that done for sure. And I don't actually know what training he has, if any. But <laughs> we he had a little kind of garage space, which was the only company that had something like that. And so, you know, this was back in like, I'm trying to remember when this was, like maybe 2000 six or something like that you couldn't order furniture online like there was no online marketplace for furniture so if people that had these beautiful cabins wanted bunk beds or bar stools or dining tables like chris and i would go out and cut the trees down like you could you're allowed to harvest the trees outside of Kelowna and big white there Um, so we would like harvest the trees and like literally peel the bark off and make furniture out of that um, as mm-hmm. part of his kind of construction offering. Mm-hmm. And we would make, oh, we'd make like handrails or stairs or, you know, we'd take a big log and like cut the triangle stairs out of it and then like, you know, lay it between someone's first floor and second floor and then voila, they have a staircase kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and it was really, like it was just something I never thought I would be interested in, but it like lit a spark in me right away because it was really this, like kind of hands-on, you know, kind of trade work. But the like reward cycle was like so much quicker because you could have a piece of furniture finished. Like, oh, if someone needs a coffee table, it could be like a a solid morning and then the thing's basically done. Mm. Um, Or maybe it's a bigger piece. Maybe it takes five days or maybe two weeks or something like that. But when you're building a house, you just like come and, oh, you frame the first floor, the second floor, the roof. And then you're gone. And then the next guys come in and do the insulation and the drywall. And you you really never see your finished product. This is all like hidden under there. And and you're just following plans. So when, you know, when we were doing the furniture with Chris, um, it was a total freestyle. Like there was not even, we wouldn't even make a drawing of what to make. He'd be like, yeah, make a, make like a little coffee table. So you just picture something in your head and try to figure out backwards how to make it and ask him some advice and you were entirely self-taught in that, yeah in there that was sense. no like you know chris gave me some pointers but basically i think what i learned from him was like you know this is what not to do is mostly what he would say on, yeah, on yeah. how to take it well this didn't work for me last time and i can't imagine that any of that stuff is still standing or well hopefully <laughs> nobody's using any like bar stools or 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 uh, bunk beds or anything that we made because I can't imagine they're still like safe cuz none of us knew what we were doing but that's what was so fun too right it was just mm-hmm. the creativity to do 
you know, whatever. And, and in hindsight, now that I do know more about like proper furniture making, I was just like, oh man, that's like, yeah. <laughs> we did all the, uh, you know, the no-nos, but, um, I'm curious but that's how you learn, right? Yeah. And I'm curious to know when you're making furniture, does it feel meditative to you? It, like, do you um, get in this flow state when you're making furniture? Well, truthfully, I don't make a ton of furniture these days anymore. Yeah, so I'm yeah. kind of, you know, working with my team a bit. But but when you did. What I what I think about when making furniture is, like, or a lot of people think that it's really this, like, peaceful, meditative, um, artistic thing. But it's quite, like, and, and it really gets romanced. And I think that, like, the internet does not help that but it's a lot of work like it's actually hours and hours of building sanding plane uh i'm sorry planning and planing um those are two different things um like all the materials so you know i think it's it's more it doesn't i wouldn't say that it feels meditative to be honest i would say mm. that it it's just immersive so you're like all in on it you know and then there are some parts where it's like sanding where you might be doing that's kind of monotonous um, for like a couple hours and then you can kind of like zone out and you, you know, your head can be thinking about the next project or whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah. but it's, it's just really fun to just take something, a pile of like, you know, lumber and some crude tools. And a few steps later, you have this finished thing that's actually a usable piece of furniture. Right. Um, yeah. I think that's what's so like, I tried painting and drawing and, watercolor and I just in the end I just felt like I didn't have this thing that was substantial enough like for me you know yeah um for the time that I put in and I was I was like ah my paintings are lame so <laughs> but the but the furniture was you was know pretty good you get something you can use right something you yeah. can like gift gift to people or you know monetize uh this is before I knew anything about you know art but um and it's useful, like it's yeah, it's useful. A, yeah, you put your drink on it, you know, an and everybody needs it, home. kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. It's, it's, it's you know essential for modern day the centerpiece living. of everyday life. Yeah, is what we say at Union Woodco, you know. Yeah, and, and I I think it it does stem from a family thing for me. Like I, my parents were not strict, but strict in a sense of like we all ate dinner around the table. Like yes. I don't even remember having the TV on or anything. It just you know we would sit around the table. And a kind of in a traditional family style and um, talk about her day. And, you know, there was no, we didn't really have secrets there. And we, my sister would talk about how she was stressed with homework or, you know, whatever, mm. right? And my parents would ask me how this is going or that's going. And and they would share their lives as well. And yeah. um, it was like everybody had hectic days, especially when my mom and dad were working. And then there's three kids. Um you know, and everybody would sit there and talk about their day. And then on on the weekends, we would have friends and or family over. And so much life can happen. So around the, everything the happens table, around right? the table. Like yeah, we're sitting like around the table right now. You know what yeah. I mean? It's 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 such a magical thing. And like, I think I feel lucky that my parents kind of forced that onto us. But oh, lots of people overlook it, you know, mm -hmm. um, Everything happens at the table. Yeah. No, it's, it's <laughs> good it's things and bad true. things too, right? Something very like, philosophical to that. Yeah. yeah. I, I'm curious because I'm I'm always so fascinated and I, I love learning about the workings of an industry that I'm not in. Mm -hmm. Can you walk me through how a project starts at the shop and the process of seeing it through, at least with your your studio? Yeah. So I think um, 
maybe the most you know kind of relevant thing is to talk about how how a new thing comes to life. So, um, when like so right now uh, with with me, I am the owner and and creative director, and then I have a design director as well. So we'll kind of work together on you know on a new product. Sorry, I should probably start this again. I think I'm. <laughs> rambling a bit okay what was ask me the question again how about that yeah it was just you know how a project starts at the shop and just the process of of seeing it through like all the different touch points maybe yeah yeah okay. yeah um yeah so when we start a project at the shop it really it starts from like an idea so whether it's like our own idea that we've come up with in-house or maybe it's someone else's idea because we do do like custom services as well right so not only do we build our own like product collection we'll bring other people's ideas to life um, and really can start like uh, like a, a sketch on a napkin could be where the idea starts, right? And, and you kind of have this, you know, here's what we like, here's our objective at the end is to have this functionality and like this kind of size, you know, so, oh, maybe it's a storage cabinet and they want it, you know, with drawers on the bottom and open storage above, right? And it can start off that basic, just a little pencil sketch. Um, and then we turn it into like a working drawing. So I'll basically interpret the idea, whether it's, again, our own idea that we've talked about as kind of a design group um, with myself and some other staff. Here's our concept. And then one of us will take that into the drawing phase and, and try to basically interpret what we all decided and maybe, you know, three versions of it kind of thing. So here's this scale or this scale or, you know, we could do it this way. Um, and then we pick pick a direction and, and kind of go further down that rabbit hole. So we just refine the drawings. So a lot of it is in this pre-planning phase. There's a lot of stuff that happens behind the scenes before you even mm-hmm. get into action. Um, and then we, yeah, you basically, once you lock that down, and what's nice about that part is... You can be really creative, but I think this works, this framework works good for me is that being creative, but also having limitations like, you know, the wood only comes in certain thicknesses Mm. or certain tones or, well, our machinery is limited, so we can only do it like this. So it kind of sets a bit of like a skeleton about how to, you know, how to work You've got some parameters. You have some parameters to work around, right? So, and I think that's what's fun. It's almost like a bit of a puzzle. Mm. And then once you figure that out, um, then you can execute it. So that's kind of procuring the lumber, which comes from like specialty uh, lumber yards in the city. Um, and then you break it out. So you kind of have a list of all these different pieces you need to make. So you make each separate piece and then you assemble all those pieces to have it come to a finished piece kind of thing. It's so methodical, actually. It's pretty like methodical, when, yeah. yeah. There's And there's like a certain, you know, it's like kind of like these like steps that you you can't skip. So... Everything needs to be sanded and then finished, you know, those are the final steps. But um, yeah, you just, you work through this kind of um, like a flow chart almost, right? Yeah, yeah. It kind of reminds me, like, I, and I imagine that you've got a team of craftspeople, mm-hmm. which is kind of similar to your fire hall where you have like a team of people that are doing certain functions, yeah. like you're yeah. the driver. Yeah, exactly. And like, this is what you do. Yeah. And at Union Wood Co., there's the same. There's probably like a leather worker and like a welder. And, yeah, exactly. And probably other 
across people that I, I, I don't know. Yeah, but there's I like different like levels of woodworkers. So they yeah. would have different specialties too. Mm. Some of them might be better at maybe solid wood joinery or the other ones are better working with sheet material, which is we use a combination of both kind of things. So um, and you have to plan like, of course, the project around like those skill sets too. Right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it is. It's like, yeah, it's it's like a team and everybody, you know, is there a little cog in the wheel kind of thing? And and at the end, you get a good product, right? And I think mm-hmm. that's how that's how you make a good product is by using a team. You know, I think when I was just making furniture by myself because I was self-taught, I was like, oh, these this is not. I mean, it was fine, you know, but it wasn't like beautiful, enduring, you know, skilled craftsmanship like we're making now. Right. You know, because you have the right people in the right. Yeah, place exactly. Now. Yeah, we've got yeah. A, an awesome team that does that stuff and is proud of their. You know, we all put in work to make the company happen and everybody's proud of their role. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, if we're all proud of our own little part, then the finished product is something we can all be proud of. You know, it's so nice to listen to this because I think as we, you know, live our day-to-day lives and, you know, you think of your table at home or, or whatever, you kind of forget all of the people along the way who mm-hmm. worked on that for you oh, to yeah. enjoy yeah. it and have it in your home. Yeah, yeah. And to the level of 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 skill, especially when something comes from a studio like yours, um, yeah, just how much care. Is I think, yeah, taken and that's, that's what own. resonates with our like customers too, right? Is they mm-hmm. want they, and what really will take people from like being interested to purchasing is like when they visit that shop. Yeah, I was gonna say develop um, a relationship with everyone. Like they, yeah, to come and check out the shop is such a like unique place. You know, you just don't see it and. And just we're lucky in the space that we have. It's kind of like almost feels like you're entering this secret little courtyard. And then, boom, all of a sudden there's like, you know, there's a big garage door and you open up and there's like, you know, there's eight to ten like craftspeople in there working on stuff. Jeremy's got, you know, he's welding. He's got or sparks flying because he's grinding something. And then somebody else is on the table saw. And you can just, you know, we're I'm so used to like coming home from work and I'm like covered in sawdust or whatever, right? <laughs> Anything you touch there is obviously covered in, you know, wood dust. But, and the smell is like so shocking to people because they're not used to it. Yeah. They come into that space and you're just fully immersed in furniture making basically. Yeah. Um, and that that's a really cool thing. It, uh, the customers, we have a lot of interior design customers that come by to talk about a project or whatever. And, you know, these people are like, they work normally in an office or they're visiting clients. So they're like dressed, you know, well and professionally. And then they come into our shop for like a second. And I'm like, oh, that, oh, that black jacket's going to get covered in sawdust. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you need to give them suits, like ponchos. Yeah, like totally. Yeah. Should have <laughs> or their like own a, aprons or yeah, something. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I always warn them, but they go, oh, no, it's all good. Yeah, it's part of it, right? Yeah. So. Yeah, I'm sure that it's just part of, like, the journey of seeing their piece being yeah, made. Yeah, for sure. Which is really cool. Yeah. yeah, it kind of reminds me a little bit. My friend um, Jude Wang, he owns um, Cultivate Tea on Main Street. Oh, yeah. And um, he he has a, a really close relationship with all the tea farmers. Mm. Like, he's oh. often at the farm. He's de- developed, you yeah. know, years of relationships. Yeah. He's always visiting. And, yeah. You know, and that just makes... Yeah, I'm sure for him, like the product that he gets, extra, extra special. Yeah, I'm and, sure it makes it easier mm-hmm. for him to sell too, because he's like passionate about it, like from yes. the beginning all yeah. the way to the end, right? All the origins. Yeah. So cool. So so cool. And your creativity has obviously evolved at 
at um, the shop too from, you know, in the very early days being a maker to now running obviously the strategy and the sustainability of the business. How has that shift been for you? Like what, what have you learned about yourself in that, in that time? Yeah. Yeah. That's a good question. I've, I've learned a lot. Like, I mean, I think I've grown a lot as a person and learned a lot about myself. Um, You know, when I started, I really wanted to be that hands-on creative guy. And I, I really did fulfill that a lot, and it was super fun. And at one point, I just kind of realized that, you know, I can't run a business and literally make everything. And I also need, like, my skills are were moderate, you know what I mean? And I still get in there every once in a while um, to kind of – or I build something at home, you know, to, like, use my skills a little bit because I absolutely thrive off that. But I think as long as I have a creative outlet – I'm happy with that. And so my creative outlet is, you know, it can be like, what does this piece of furniture like look like? Or it can be, how do I run this business? Or, oh, wow, look at all these competitors we have now. What angle can we take that's different than them to attract more customers or whatever? So, you know, I, I'm still like flowing with my <laughs> creative juice that makes me happy and fulfilled at the end of the day. But it's just different things that I'm thinking Mm -hmm. about, you know, whether it's like content for the social media or um, what products are going to be, what are they going to look like next spring? You know, we're doing a really deep dive into that now to think about what are our products going to look like the next year, next two years, next five years kind of thing. Um, So I'm, yeah, so my role now is, you know, that business strategy stuff, you know, kind of the overall creative director and I work with a creative team, obviously. Mm-hmm. And also, how can I be a good employer for these employees too, right? Like, I think that's a important thing that um, I occasionally remember is that, okay, if, if in 30 years or whatever, when I decide to quit Union Woodco or sell it or whatever happens to it, um, you know, I'll look back at my time and think, oh, I had a lot of great customers. That's awesome oh, we made a lot of beautiful furniture. That's awesome. But the third kind of thing that maybe gets overlooked is like, can I have been a good employer? Mm. You know what I mean? Can I have like fulfilled these persons? Like, you know, I'm not, I don't know if anybody's going to stay with me for 30 years, but while they're with me, can I give them a fulfilling job that makes them happy, you know, and and fills up their bucket too, right? Like I get my bucket filled up there because I get to be creative and, I get to make fun decisions and, you know, have pressure, which I like. But are they are these people getting their buckets filled too, right? And I, and I think almost if, if you could look back after having a company, if that could be your primary focus of like having, yeah, great, we made a lot of furniture. That's awesome. And we made lots of clients happy and we're part of a lot of cool spaces and, and events and stuff. But but you know, can yeah, were you were you a good employer? Did you did yeah. you have happy staff and good staff and And because of that, could they live fulfilled lives? Yeah, and, and could yeah. they could they go on and do their own thing? You know, were mm. they inspired to go do their own thing mm-hmm. or or whatever it is? And uh so you know, that's something that I you know, I think it's important to think about, right? And of course. And actually, you know, if the if it's all said and done and you could look back, what would you rather be? Made a lot of money or have you know, made an impact in people's lives and, and had happy employees that, 
gone went on to have like happy lives themselves and I think that one is more important you know yeah yeah do you hear that all business owners <laughs> and employers that's uh yeah no that's that's really I try really you know it's not easy yeah. like it's actually you know it's hard it's it is hard but uh, but you think about it and that's important yeah it's a good yeah mm-hmm. something you got to wake up and think about yeah no I think that's that's super wonderful and you used to buy and sell antiques at the Railtown shop so you and your wife, Kendra, she's an interior yeah. designer for yeah. Fluvog, right? John yeah, she Fluvog. works at Fluvog, yeah. You both love antiques, and you guys used to go to Texas and find amazing items. Yeah, I think at the at the start of my business, we had that Railtown space. I actually had another shop before that. Um, but uh, at the, when I lived in that, or sorry, when I had that Railtown space, it was really a cool spot there. That spot's obviously, you know, has totally changed in the last... Yeah decade but we were actually the first people when I got that little shop there I was the first person on the street to have an open and close sign so there was no JJ Bean there was no I don't even know who's down there anymore Benson or whatever like it's all I haven't even been down there but there was nobody that had kind of a little storefront so we just had this little kind of like 600 square foot storefront and I would fill it up with furniture and we were, you know, as I say, we, we, Kendra would help me out, basically, part of a passion project, and, and Kara, too, actually. And it was really kind of like, okay, well, you can't have a table. I mean, if you want to have a beautiful desk that you made there, that's great. But you got to have a light for it. And, you know, we got to make this space look like an actual showroom. And so instead of sourcing new products, I've always been really passionate about antiques, um, and so we would basically go antique hunting and that turned into kind of a, a side of the business basically. So we were doing a lot of kind of hunting, finding, picking or whatever you want to call it. And we would bring the products back, clean them up, fix them up, put them in the store and sell them too. And that was actually a good, it was a good revenue generator for a while too. Mm. People had a lot of interest in that. And I could have, I'm really passionate about that. I could have gone down that road like happily, you know. Um, I ended up sticking with the furniture more and, and it's just not, it wasn't, it ended up being not super sustainable as a business. Um, we were getting a lot of the stuff in the States. Yeah. Um, and it was really just like, it was like a hobby passion that I, you know, was able to generate a little bit of income from um, and made like, it paid for the trip kind of thing and, yes. and we got some cool stuff out of it. Um, and yeah, I just, I, I, I've always been just kind of a, like a nostalgic person. Like mm. I'm always thinking about, oh, the simpler times of the past. And, and it's always kind of been, a, you know, something that's interested me um, is those concepts. And I think that's how I got interested in antiquing, really. It was yeah. just like the story of all the old things. Where did it come from? Mm-hmm. Or, oh, like this lighting manufacturer, they only made like 30 of these or, yeah. or whatever. Um, or even like the hidden stories of like why a person bought that, like the person yeah, before you totally. and the person before And like them. how did they keep it in such amazing condition? Yeah. Or or if it's really worn, like I, I was into a lot of like really industrial stuff and it would have this like... Um, you know, the patina is what it's called, but it'd be like worn, you know, where people mm-hmm. would use this light, you know, over and over kind of thing. And just the thought that, you know, a company made that to literally serve one purpose, to light up a work surface or something like that. Yes. And then the fact that, you know, we would be 
using that as like a decorative piece later was just I don't know, blew my mind just how yeah. how cool I was and how how something was made for a utilitarian purpose and then it had a beauty to me kind of yeah um, I love antique and vintage things too I've got some things in my home there's there's actually a, a great shop that's closer to like Chilliwack and Hope and there's a yeah. big nursery out there and like the like mama, big... mama and Papa's is it that place or maybe yeah I, I don't know it's but... got a big barn and stuff um no this one is different I okay. don't think it's a big barn but I'll try to find the name for you but there's not a lot here no but this person curated a bunch of really awesome hmm. things and I was in there and I spotted this suitcase mm. from probably, I don't know, like the early 1900s. Yeah. And the reason I have like this, um, I have this affinity for Japan and mm -hmm. Japanese made things. Mm -hmm. And this old suitcase had all of these vintage travel stickers mm. from Japan. Yeah, that's and awesome. And they were all super wow. faded. The inside was this, is this um, printed silk with mm. floral pattern. Mm. And it even has, you know how modern day suitcases have like the clasps inside, right? Just to keep yeah. everything in place. Yeah. This actually has like silk cords. Oh, nice. That you, you could tie everything and down. You could tie there. everything down. And so, yeah, I, I bought it immediately. I mean, for the price I, I paid for it. Yeah. He he literally just got it in. Oh, nice. And uh, I it was, That's yeah, I best. think I was meant to to find it. And yeah, it's in my home. Sure. And I, I just, I feel like it has such good energy because... You know the people who owned it before they, they put their energy into those those objects whether it's like intense or whether yeah. it's light and joyful and yeah they all have stories it's so, so much it's really cool of like a richer experience to own something like that than it is to just you know order something off amazon yeah. or whatever yeah exactly so yeah, our house is full of antiques now yeah we have yeah. like you know we I, it, obviously if you own a furniture company it's like almost hard to buy other furniture unless it's like supporting other friends in the industry, which mm -hmm. I'm totally keen on doing. But, um, you know, so it's either has to be basically Union Woodco or another furniture maker in Vancouver, or it's an antique. I can't mm -hmm. like, you know, <laughs> I can't <laughs> sleep at night if I'm going to order something off of like article or something. Yeah. Like yeah. And, uh, I just, something that you said about like this nostalgia and, um, the simpler life you, like we said before, you you now live full time on Bowen Island, which is you know definitely more of a a quieter but beautiful. Yeah, that life was the whole purpose. Yeah, yeah, that was the whole reason that we moved to Bowen was to live a bit of a simpler life, you know, and um, get out in nature a little bit and just just you know try to keep our our lives simple and focus on you know the important things. Yeah, yeah, and um, when we were talking, you know, a couple months ago. And you were saying, you know, the pandemic really like slowed down life and you were sort of able to savor that a little bit more. And then out of that came a new idea, new brand called Goodland. Yeah, exactly. It, it, it really was. Goodland's been something that is something I'm really excited about. Um, and I've got lots of feelings about it. But um, yeah, it was it, it was kind of like last year was the perfect timing it, it, it kind of you know everybody paused you know union would go slowed down for just like a beat basically but it was just the right amount of time to just you know rethink things and I think a lot of people last year were rethinking you know the framework of that they live their everyday life right and oh I gotta be here at this time and you know have this many meetings a week and if I'm not meeting this goal then I'm not gonna meet the next goal kind of thing and 
I think that pause was really beneficial for me, and it was just it was just a really good way to, you know, it was like a reminder. Okay, why did you move to Bowen? You know, you moved there to have slow days like this and be able to spend the morning chopping firewood and not be blasting out emails or on Zoom all day or something like that. You know, that is why we moved there to to kind of live a bit more simple life. And then you just get caught up, of course, in, in you know, running a business or everyday life. And it can, you know, take your feet out on from under you. But um, yeah, it, it was a really, it was a really nice time last year. And, 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 and I think what happened was when we moved to Bowen, we really wanted to live in nature right so we were like okay well we you know we've got these two well, i think we had one kid and then the, my other daughter was coming or on the way and um you know we want to we want to live a house we want to have a yard i want to chop firewood i want to like have a garden all these things where are we going to do this and and we kind of came up on bow and and i knew about it because i grew up on the north shore but uh, we just thought man this could be a really cool spot we ended up buying a lot there and we were able to build our own house. So that was like a, obviously a dream come true for us, um, Kendra and myself, um, to, you know, design our own home. We worked with Pete from Human Studio, was like an awesome architect, and nailed our drawings. Like we didn't even do, I don't even think we did one revision. He just like, the first set was like, man, you nailed Amazing. it. You nailed our vision. So um, that was awesome. And um and then Goodland really came about because basically we were, I'm trying to explain it, if we were living in nature on Bowen, right? So we were surrounded by huge fir trees and, you know, ravens and all kinds of critters and, you know, everything over there. Um, and, you know, we're really affected by the weather over there too, which like we weren't when we lived in our little apartment on Canby. Like when a storm comes through on Bowen and, and you have a house, like you notice it, you know, yeah. you really notice it. In the city, you, you don't notice it. You know, we walk out, we walk out of our apartment and there'll be like, there's a fake grass where my dog goes pee and then we bring them back inside basically. Um, and, and Goodland, really the the products and the, the vibe that we're going with Goodland is, is really about that interface between like not only just living in nature, but also like how do we interact with nature? Mm. So, and I think that's what felt kind of missing to me on, on Bowen when we were there, we're like, okay, we're in nature and you know, we have a playground outside that the kids can play on. That's like in nature, but how are we actually living, you know, in harmony with nature kind yeah. of thing, right? How do you so, use that outdoor space? Yeah, how do more? we like actually interact with mother nature more kind of thing, mm -hmm. right? So mm -hmm. yeah, we would go to the beaches and do all this kind of stuff in the summer, but it's like, it felt like there'd be more opportunities to really engage with nature. Um, and so that's where Goodland came from. Yeah, I love the description on your site, objects for a slower, more considered life. And I'm curious, like what does a more considered life mean to you? I think... You know, and this is, it's a similar thing that we talk about with Union Woodco is it's kind of like own less, but appreciate it more, you know, like in, in invest in like the things that you are going to be really attached to. And that will like generate memories and moments for you instead of, you know, investing in garbage or like a lot, you know, like overconsumption kind of thing. Right. Mm. So, you know, it's kind of the opposite of overconsumption. So we want to have just pick the things that are going to really like fill your bucket up. You know what I mean? What, what, what makes you happy at the end of the day, you mm. know? Um, 
you know, if you move half as fast, you notice twice as much. So you know, if you can just take a breath and like, you know, interact with the world around you, um, I think it's a richer, a richer and more considered life. Oh, I love that. That sentence you just said, if you move half as fast, you notice twice as much. It's oh. a key thing. And, you know, we don't stop to think about that stuff very often, you know, mm-hmm. so that's what Goodland is trying to give people products so that they can have those opportunities, you yeah. know? Can you talk about the first product that you guys are launching? Because I, I think it's, yeah, it's the, so beautiful and, and cool. Thanks a lot. Yeah. So it's a it's a wood fired hot tub. Um, and I'm like really passionate about outdoor bathing. So and it's it's kind of a new thing. It's not something I grew up doing or anything mm. like that. But um, you know, I, I did grow up like camping and, and being outdoors, you know. Uh, we always lived in a city, but we would always go camping in the summer and, and engage with nature. I was just talking to my dad about this last night. And he's like, I remember you like chopping wood as a kid. That's like all you wanted to do when we went camping mm-hmm. was chop wood. And um, yeah, so our our, our hot tub um, that we're doing is so it's totally wood fired. So essentially it's like a big double um, XL kind of bathtub and it has inside the water. It has a wood stove in it. So you chop, you fill it up just like a bathtub. Uh, you chop the wood, start a fire, and the smoke comes up and out the chimney, so it's out of your face and everything. And to me, it's all about, um, like, it's all about the ritual, basically, uh, for lack of a better word, because, you know, it's like the anticipation of waiting because it's not always available. Like, it takes time to get it hot. It takes mm-hmm. an hour and a half to get it hot. And it takes like participation. So you get, sorry, get a splinter when you're chopping the wood or, you know, you, you're out there, you have to stir it to circulate the water and like, oh, maybe you spill a little bit on your shoes or something like that. It's so different than a traditional hot tub experience where you're like getting in this molded fiberglass like thing with LED lights and like, you know, it's it's almost the complete opposite of that mm. where it's a traditional hot tub always available for you and a a wood-fired hot tub you actually have to participate in it to you know get that pleasure back from it right so you have to start the fire and and that's where we we have one at our house and it was just became this thing that kind of like brought our whole family together a little bit oh sunday it's like pouring rain in vancouver in november what do you have to look forward to right well it's hot tub day on sunday or Wednesday nights or whenever it is. And so, you know, my daughter would come out and help me, you know, I would chop the wood. She would kind of help me stack it and I'd teach her how to start the fire and get it going. And then we'd bring the the tub up to temperature and then everybody gets in. Um, And, you know, when you're in there, when when you're in there with like your family or, or friend or whatever, it's, you know, it's a very enjoyable experience. And then when you're in there by yourself, it's almost like a meditative experience. You know, you're in there and it's a sensory overload. The It's got cedar lounges inside, so you can smell the cedar, like, you know, the water and the cedar are soaking together. So you get this, like, blast of, you know, aromatics as you're in there. Um, and then you can hear the fire crackling behind you. And you can see the smoke kind of puffing out of the chimney, right? And it mm-hmm. just it just makes this really elemental experience. Um, 
and it's just it's totally life changing. So if you've been in a hot tub, that's awesome. But if you've ever been in a hot tub that's heated by wood, it's a totally different experience, and it just it feels so authentic and so kind of that nostalgic yeah, I was just thing, say. right? It just feels so like primitive that you actually used fire to heat up the water, and now you're bathing yeah. in it. And you kind of worked for the experience too. Yeah, you know? and I think like, it's like that's one of our pillars that the products are reciprocal. So you have mm, to put in, or you won't get back, right? Right, right. And um, yeah, I mean, if you think of the modern hot tub, is like you flip on a switch, totally. And then you just yeah, you get in there, get in, and and then you have to maintain the chemicals. It's confusing, so you like call mm, some pool guy who comes and does it every once a month, and yeah, you know, you get out, you smell like chlorine. Like this is all fresh water. Well, you can use salt water too, but yeah. Um, yeah, it's a really it's a really different experience. But it's all it's like we have to educate people on that a little yeah. bit. Um, and obviously, it's not something that anybody can use. So you know, if you live on, you know, uh, whatever, if you live in Kits or East Van or something, you can't necessarily put one on your balcony or something like that. So right. you do yeah. need the space to be able to use it, and mm. that kind of spawns some other products that we're working on that you will be able to use in the city. Mm-hmm. Um, but they all the products that we're going to be making going forward are all really based on small rituals. And um, the idea of those is to take you away from your everyday life. Like we're all just, you know, whether it's Slack or WhatsApp or, you know, some chat group you're in, mm-hmm. like you're always getting, you know, a notification for something. Right. So if you're actually participating in these using these products, whether it's a hot tub or a bird feeder or an outdoor oven or whatever, then you can put that phone away and you're just in that moment. You know what I mean? And, and you're m- slowing down that time yeah, that you exactly. were talking about, right? Yeah, you're just taking it down a notch and, and mm. focusing on things that are like literally important, you know? That is so exciting. Yeah. Are you you must be excited about I'm this. I'm really excited. Yeah, yeah. Chapter we've, of- yeah, we've made some huge like gains in it in the last um last few weeks even and my yeah. confidence is is great in it and it's really funny it's definitely you know it's it reminds me of when I first started Union Wood Co like I forgot like you know Union Wood Co has been running and successful for years and it's really fun and but I know it well you know whereas Goodland is it's all like new and mm-hmm. scary and I have those feelings that are like oh, what if I fail? Or like, what if I embarrass myself? Or what if I, what if we don't sell any? You know what I mean? Like, and, and I just haven't had those feelings for a long time. And I I forget how like exciting those are. Yeah. You well, know? like you said, when you came in here, you were like, I'm I'm a little bit uncomfortable. I haven't done this before, yeah. but. But that's you know, how you grow, right? Is you get out of your comfort zone. And I think that that's something that I really, like I do appreciate that is, mm. And I, and I think that's like, it, I don't know if it's like a, a adrenaline thing or what, but it's like, I, I love that feeling of like being kind of scared that something's going to fail yeah. or not go well or, or whatever. Yeah, no, I, yeah, that discomfort, I agree with you. It, it makes you grow. And I, I think even from a brain science perspective, when you're, you're in discomfort and you're learning, you're actually creating neurons in, yeah. your, in your brain, yeah, like I'm new sure pathways. Some so, to that for sure. So yeah. Well, congratulations, and hopefully we get to work <laughs> on a little something together. With, yeah, I would with love the, to do that. The, with the sound journeys, and so I, I think that, and that's what I first reached out about was yeah, the sound, sound therapy, sound journey is. Uh, I, that's what 
my whole focus on the tub is like all these senses. So you're in the warm water, you've got, you know, you're watching the smoke, you can smell the freshly cut firewood and the cedar. And like what sound would accompany that yeah. so well, you know? Yeah. And make it a really immersive uh, experience. Oh, and sound is so fun for like thinking about an experience and what you would, what kind of music or sound you'd bring together. I just put together a, a playlist. I was on a podcast called A Little More Good and they asked me to put together a playlist. And nice. I ended up um, putting together a, a playlist for the fall, but there's a genre of, of music called chill hop or jazz hop that mm-hmm. I really, really like. Oh, nice. And so putting that together was fun and creative because it was a fall list. So like yeah, what yeah. kind of, yeah, what, what kind of song mean? do you think? Yeah. What does that mean? What does it yeah. sound like to me? Totally. You know? And yeah. so that was, that was really fun. Yeah. That would be a challenge yeah. for sure. Yeah. But a good one. A good one. Definitely. Yeah. It was great. So I'm, I'm excited. When does, when does it hit the market? Um, we're launching like pre-sales. I guess I'll say I'm estimating November 1st. Okay. <laughs> so it's getting yeah. really close. Yep. Uh, but yeah, we've got a lot of interest so far and there's just a lot of little boxes to check. Like, you know, I got to finish setting up the bank account and like kind of yeah. admin stuff like yes. that. And, um, but I've got a really great team. Like I'm so excited about this team that I've put together of they they don't work for Goodland, like they're subcontractors, mm-hmm. you know, now, but, or some people work for Union Woodco and are doing Goodland stuff. But, um, I don't know. I'm really thriving off that. Like I've got some awesome people that are helping with the marketing and the email strategy and the product design. Like the product design is amazing. We're really making this like kind of unboxing experience for people, um, which I think is going to be really cool. Like it's it's a fun chance to do things that we've never tried with Union Woodco or never, you know, never been able to try or whatever. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, It's a really fun experience. So. Yeah, well, that's exciting. Yeah, and I'm trying to keep my expectations like a little bit on the low side, you know, and just it is supposed to be, you know, I'm doing it for enjoyment, basically, right? And and because I enjoy these products and I want to share them with other people, that is like the root of it is enjoyment and sharing that, you know, encouraging people to slow down and take that pause and and giving them some way to do it. Yeah. Um, And honestly, sometimes that's the best way is like when you're super, super passionate about whatever it is yeah you can hear it in your voice like i can even see it nobody can see your face right now but yeah it's very it's lit up let me tell you and it gets more real every day for sure yeah it's just you know we're making a lot of steps forward and yeah it's going to be really fun and there's so much uh opportunity there yeah you know it's not there's there's not many people that are like there's lots of companies making outdoor furniture but as far as you know, outdoor living products, which is kind of the category. Like there's just, it's, there's not a lot out there. So. Yeah. And again, it goes back to a word that you, you used when you were describing making furniture at Union Woodco is like immersion, right? Mm-hmm. Being immersed in. Yeah. In yeah. Cause if you, can be, product. if you can be fully immersed in that experience, it means you're not worrying about all the other things that are happening, which is, that's the idea. Considered living. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Well, I just have a couple more questions. For sure. Two more. Um, your wife, Kendra, I've heard some lovely things about her. I actually had a Friendsgiving at um, at Caroline Boquist's house. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, from Walrus. And oh, yeah. Yeah. She too. knows Kendra. Yeah. 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 So I was Caroline's saying, oh, yeah, I'm yeah. I'm interviewing Craig on, on Tuesday. Oh, nice. And, and uh, she said, oh, you know, his wife is so, so lovely. Yeah, she's and, sweet. 
Yeah. And so my question is, um, what do you love most about her and the considered life that you're building together? Oh, man. What do I love most about her? It's, that's going to be a hard one. She's really, she's in my good books right now. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> she's, uh, you know, she's just been so, she's been so supportive of me. Um, she's a lot of things. She's really a lot of things. This is going to be a hard one. Um, she's like, for me personally, she's been like super supportive of everything I do. She says, yeah, babe, you'll be great. Just go do it. You know, just you're awesome. Go do it. Um, and she's like such an excellent mom too, which is, you know, a really hard thing. Not everybody is like good at that. And she works really hard at it. And she's really, I think she should be really proud of the mom that she is anyways. And so she does such a good job at like running our family. She does like, she's so amazing at all the things that I'm like not great at or that I'll like gloss over, you know? So I think we make a really good team. Mm. Um, yeah, she's, she's just, she's, what would be the best? I don't know. There's lots of great things about her. Yeah. yeah. She's, she's an awesome partner. I couldn't ask for anyone better and. I wouldn't be able to do any of the things that I'm doing without her support. And, you know, um, she backs me on everything. So mm. she's, she's a really great partner and so lots important. of love to her. Yeah. Yeah. And the last question yeah. is about really about you <laughs> and a question I ask everyone with what you do. Yeah. What is it that you want to leave behind in the world? Oh, yeah. What do I want to leave behind in the world? You know, I just, I guess I, yeah, if, you know, whenever we leave this place, whenever that is, I think I would just, you know, like to be looked upon fondly by my friends and family, you know? So I think it's relationships, I think is what I would stick to is mm. having, you know, good, deep relationships and just, you know, knowing people. So not, not just that kind of like, oh, I know them on the cover but like more of an in-depth way of knowing people mm. um i think that's important to just you know really get to know your friends and your family and you know all the people that you surround yourself with you know and make a connection with them and and hopefully a lasting memory yeah i'm with you on that one 100%. i think that's what it is you know mm -hmm. i think that's what you know you can make a million hot tubs or a thousand podcasts or whatever but you know at the end you know did you have people that cared about you and, you know, did you care about those people and, you know, give them what they need, you know, in from day to day. So it's hard to wake up every day and think about that. I mean, I, admittedly, I don't, but I should and I would like to. And, you know, it's an important thing to consider. Mm. Well, I think that's a lovely thing to leave behind in the world. <laughs> and, you know, it's uh, it's been really nice getting to know you. Yeah, it was so a nice chatting more. with you, May. It was awesome. Yeah, yeah, that was really great. And thanks um, so much for having me. Yeah, I um, I'm delighted that you were able to to come into the studio, and I look forward to many more conversations. Yeah, thanks so much. I'm totally honored and grateful. Thank you so much for having me, and I can't wait to hear more of what you're up to. Thank you. All right. If you enjoyed that last conversation, be sure to check out more episodes with Craft on Spotify and guest photo galleries on the website at wearethecraft.com. Thanks again for listening.